0: Welcome to The Rural Rockstar, a podcast dedicated to empowering rural women with the tools and inspiration to transform their lives and businesses from the inside out. I share my journey of survive to thrive in life and business, and I show what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I also interview other rockstar women from around the world to inspire you to do it too. My mission is to empower the next generation of rural changemakers to show up and be the leaders we need. I'm Katrina, your rockstar host. Let's rock. Hello and welcome back to the Rural Rockstar. Today I am joined by Sophie Hanson, who is absolutely a rural rockstar. She's amazing. Many people who live in rural Australia probably already heard of Sophie or come across her in some way or another. Um, Sophie's got a blog called Local is Lovely. She's written Now, three books. Um, One is out now, I I believe, which we'll get into talking about that as well. She's had a podcast called My Open Kitchen. She was Australian Rural Woman of the Year, which is awesome, Um, and she's done many other wonderful things. She's also a deer farmer uh, (laughs) and lives at Orange in rural Australia. And we will get into hearing more about... Soph's journey um shortly but I thought I'd just mention that I came across Soph about I think it's 10 years ago when we were actually both in the Frankie magazine (laughs) oh yeah that's right yes yes so you do remember that so that was I think it was like 10 years ago now which is pretty crazy um that long ago yeah yes and our husbands actually went to school together funnily enough in Bathurst so yeah yeah both and I have a couple of connections um And I've followed Soph very closely since then and I must say, you know, how they talk about having a 1,000 raving fans. I think I would definitely be one of your 1,000 raving fans because (laughs) I've got all the books, I did the course. That's the other thing, Soph ran an e-course as well. Follow the blog, you know, download the five things to be cheerful about on a Monday, sign up to that, which I love. Lots of people love that one actually. So yeah, I'm a I'm an absolute fan of Soaps, and it's a real privilege to be able to interview you today, Soaps. So welcome to the show. Thank
1: you so much, Katrina. Thanks for
0: having me, and that thanks for that gorgeous introduction. Ah uh, yes. Now Soaps multitasking today as well. So if you can hear some noise in the background, it's all good. <laughs> Don't worry about that. We've just got to we got to make it work. So sorry. No, not at all. It's absolutely fine because we've got to make these things work, and um, it's all part of it. So. We love that. Um, now, so what I usually get people to do is basically start is tell us start by telling us how they got to where they are now. So how did you end up and what has been the journey to getting you to living on a deer farm in Orange?
1: <laughs> well, uh, do you want the short version or the long version? I don't know. It's, um, yeah. I guess I, um, I grew up in Sydney and I did journalism at, or print journalism at the University of Canberra. And then I kind of worked my way through various sort of food and lifestyle magazines in my 20s, and that involved a couple of years. Uh, Well, I'd temped in the UK and travelled around, and then I had three years working in northern Italy for the Slow Food Movement's editorial house, which was amazing, and then worked in magazines back in Sydney as well. So always um, loved writing about food and always had that background, I guess, of storytelling. Um, and then one day I went to an event for Australian Pound Venison as part of my job. It was like a PR lunch. Um, and three, three months later, I found myself engaged to the farmer who had organized that, which is Tim, (laughs) you know, my husband. So it kind of happened like really quickly, but it didn't feel, you know, quick. It just felt right. And so, yeah, I found myself moving to Orange. Um, I just turned 30 and, um, Absolutely thrilled about it all and like completely excited and in love and everything. But um, without a second thought, I kind of just quit my job and moved. I mean, times are very different now. These days you can work anywhere and I I wouldn't have even crossed my mind to resign, but back then I didn't really think um, about it. So I moved to Orange and I kind of did some work in uh, marketing for a wine company here and Bits and Bobs and then we started a family And all the while we were doing the farmer's markets um, most weekends with our venison. So our business there is called Nandadgera Creek Venison. And back then we did a farmer's market pretty much every weekend. And I started doing a newsletter for the um, stall that we held there and collecting recipes and looking around me and seeing all these other stallholders handing out all their beautiful recipes. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to collect all of these in the one place and a lot of the, my story, I guess, has just been timing, and I think that's probably the true with a lot of people. But at that time, food blogs were just kind of gaining momentum, about to have a bit of a moment. I don't know if you remember, Katrina, but, like, back then it was just all about the food blog. Now it's, like, Instagram and all the other million platforms we've got to be on top of. But um, <laughs> it was a good time to start something like that, and there was a really incredible community of other food bloggers who – shared your work Do you remember blog rolls down the side of each other's blogs and we'd all kind of share and so it was great and I just completely fell in love with this new way to tell your story that you had complete control over um for better off or for worse and um yeah so I started blogging and then the blog became a book and then it everything kind of just evolved very naturally and very there was no grand plan but um I guess the one thing I've always tried to do is just sort of show up consistently and give the best value content that I can and I think that that has helped kind of push push me along into various opportunities and so now um, i'm as you said my third cookbook which is called ingle Company comes out uh, in on the first of April 2021. Which is really exciting, I know. And I'm uh, also writing uh, a fourth book at the moment as well, which is due on the 2nd of April 2021. So it's crazy.
0: But oh my goodness. great,
1: Yeah, I know. It's, it's all a bit nuts, but it's all good. Um, it's kind of all like it's a dream project, but it's um, all happening quite quickly.
0: Oh, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, so. You're writing two books at once
1: then or you finish one book and then that new book finished comes one, out? Finished one. So one is like about to hit the shops, yeah. I will I will on the 1st of April and then it's kind of all the promoting side of it, which is kind of a whole other thing. And then the fourth book, I'm actually writing with my mum who's an artist, so it's like food and, food and art together,
0: which is
1: really exciting actually. I'm really um, loving doing that. So it's all uh-huh. good. It's
0: just a lot. <laughs> Yes, that would be such an amazing project. that I'm excited for that one already. That'll be beautiful, I bet. Yeah. Uh, I'm very looking forward to getting this n- another new one out. So <laughs> um, I, I, um, I'm interested in what you said there because, you know, a lot of the things that I am trying to share with my audience is like that, that um, you know, crushing through that imposter syndrome and the self-doubt and all those sort of things. And it was really interesting that you said there about that decision that you made. To just quit your job and go back to the farm, and you didn't really overthink it; you just did it. Like I think that's Mm. sometimes the gold, isn't it? When we're a bit naive about these things that we do, make a decision, and and when we overthink it, that's when we actually end up getting into trouble. So, and look how well that decision turned out for you. You probably just, you know, did it. Yeah,
1: for sure. And I think um, you know, and it sounds so cliched, but it is all about going with your gut and really trusting your instincts, I think, Um, because even though, you know, I might have had a grand plan for my life, nothing would have worked out as planned because so many unexpected good and bad things came along the way, you know. So I think um, it's good to have goals for sure, but, um, yeah, like certainly there's forks in the road and opportunities pop up and, um, yeah, be open to them, I guess, is
0: what I would say. So, have you found that you've found it? Like, has it been easy for you to t- to take on these new things and to try these new things, and you don't overthink things? Or because a lot mm. of like speaking up and showing up and having these, doing these workshops and putting yourself out there, and is part of that because it's doing what you love so much and it's sharing what you love. And you know, I like mm-hmm. what you said there about you have really a focus of yours has just been to add as much value as possible. Do you think that's why it's made those decisions easier about where, which direction to go in? For sure, and I, I do think the
1: more I think about, um, more I think about things, the more I fret. You know, so not that I'm not, you know, thoughtful, <laughs> but I do think you just kind of have to put your head down and, and go for it, and not. I mean, I, I really do suffer imposter syndrome with the best of them, for sure. Um, but was funny what you said before about the thousand true fans, but even less than that. Like I, I always, always when I'm showing up or doing a video on Instagram or um, doing a podcast or anything or writing my newsletter, I always write it as if I'm talking to a handful of my most favourite people and thinking about people like yourself and people who um, I have, you know, common uh, values with and who I feel like are on board with what I do. Um, And I find that really helps because if you think about putting something out into the ether to all these strangers, then that's when I start to question myself and think, oh, but they're going to think I'm a loser and, oh, God, are they going to be bored or whatever. But if I really focus on my kind of ideal person, I find it so much easier and I write better because I'm writing to that person in a really friendly tone of voice or whatever it might be. So, I think um, just really zeroing in on the kind of person you want to communicate with and talking to that person as a friendly, friendly person helps a lot. Um, it's when yeah. I start to think of kind of the scary unknowns that that's when I start that the self-doubt kind of holds me back.
0: Oh, I can totally relate to that. And I think that is so valuable for people. Like, And even that, you know, you've just said that you still suffer imposter syndrome with the best of them because I think mm. that's so important for people to know because people can look at someone like you and think, oh, well, you know, you must never have any self-doubt or worry about what you're putting out there because it's just so awesome and, you know, you're sort of at that really high level now. And it's just so lovely to hear. Not lovely. It's reassuring for people mm. to hear <laughs> You still have that. And I've I've been thinking about this too, like probably doesn't really matter where you are on your journey, you're always going to come up against that because, you know, that's how we're wired is to try and stay comfortable and every time we try and put ourselves out of our comfort zone, that kind of kicks in, doesn't it? So no matter where you're, you're at, you're still going to come up against that self-doubt And because you just you keep growing too, don't you? Like you're putting yourself out there in different and new ways all the time. Absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And I think especially when you're doing something kind of creative um, or, or, you know, or writing a recipe or that's completely subjective and mm. putting a price on that, whatever, That that's also I find where the self-doubt really kicks in because you think um, everybody does things differently and why is my voice, you know, worth listening to or hearing or whatever. whatever. Mm. Um, but that's where the value part kicks in for me, you know, like if I can share a really yummy recipe with someone that I know works, then I that's where I feel like, I'm valid in showing up or, you know, having that voice or that audience. So I think um, trying to be useful is mm. is a good thing and trying to just be really generous with what you know and what you can do because that's, I think that's what it's all about these days.
0: Mm. Well, you are certainly very generous and very mm-hmm. valuable. But it's interesting too what you said there about um, being creative because I think that's that when you're a creative as well it's quite vulnerable because you're putting your work out into the world and so then like that's where you can really come up against that you know um imposter syndrome that fear of being judged as well because Mm -hmm. it's quite vulnerable to create something that you feel so you know proud of and and you think is really valuable and then put it out there into the world and see what everyone thinks of it isn't it that's the hard part really hard yeah and
1: um And also there's so many incredibly clever people out there doing amazing things already. So, you know, finding your own little kind of pocket where you're offering something unique and and different is, that's half the battle, you know. And I think once you've got that, um, that's helpful as well for sure to sort of really niche down into your comfort
0: zone of where you're, you know, where you feel you've got the most to share. Yep. Yep. And that's actually, I would love to dig into that a little bit more with you because that's a place where the that, where it can show up that self doubt. Because you think, oh well, especially I mean, let's let's face it, there's a million and one um, cooks and chefs and recipe books out there. So that would be a very easy, mm. and very easy for you to go, oh well, there's already a thousand and one million cookbooks. Why write another one? But you've proven and you've shown up and you've done it and it's still been you know it's it's very successful and people love it and imagine if you'd just gone oh well there's already all those cookbooks, why bother so so you know what was it then that that led to that sort of how did you kind of work through that or did you and, and was it that you were able to find your niche and like your point of differentiation or did you just do it anyway like how did you work through that bit? Um,
1: I remember listening to an a, a interview with Elizabeth Gilbert and I think it was with Marie Forleo. Anyway, and she said, look, everything, <laughs> everything's everything been done before but not by you and yep. I loved that. Like it really resonated with me. Like there's a million recipes for lasagna out there but there's <laughs> only one lasagna recipe by me, you know, with the my twist or my whatever. So I think, um, think remembering that, like we're all going to bring – our own particular voice and um, tastes and skills or whatever to to whatever we do and inherently it will be different and unique. But um, I mean, I guess you know, with my books, um, they are. They, I, I think their point of difference is that they've got a very much a country kind of um, foundation, and because I photographed them all myself. They're very much a year in the life, you know. We, we're out and about, we're visiting people, and so I, and and that would be really hard to do with a whole team of photographers and stylists and stuff. So, I guess that's um, a bit of a point of difference. But, um, I think it's just having faith in the fact that um, nobody else can do what you do, like because it's you, and that might resonate with some people, and it might not resonate with everybody. But that's okay because not everyone will love you. Not everyone's gonna um. Pick up what you put down, but as long as enough do, and you you kind of have that community around you, I think that's all you
0: need. Yes, and you've been very good at building that community too. I think, and and that's key. And it also reminds me again of the thousand thousand raving fans idea, isn't it? You don't need everybody. Mm. You've just got to put your work out, and yeah, the way you present it will resonate with some people. The way someone else does, and that's that's the joy of Mm. it. And you've built such a. Such a wonderful community, too. Really, it's been um, yeah, it's really, and it's still growing, obviously. And it's um, it's a lovely kind of. It's so relatable, too. I think that's why women love it. Mm. It's like you know, you share just enough of yourself and the story, and it's really easy to kind of get into that. It's very warm, and it's like a big hug. Your cookbooks, I love them. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> that's really beautiful. nice to say. <laughs> so, so something else I'm interested in is like how important or how you know in. Imp- I guess, how much does it lead to your sense of fulfillment, like the fact that you are living your passion and you, you know, I, I would assume I'm not sure, but you've like it looks like you've really found your why and your purpose and your passion in life is to share this stuff. Like does that really help to make you feel good about life? and does it feel very f- fulfilled to be doing that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I um I, I really, again, it sounds a bit cliche, but I do feel super grateful. Every day that I get to do what I love for a job, and it's not enormously lucrative, but you know, it, it's my um, my living, and um, yeah, so I absolutely find that very rewarding, and also, I guess, um, I've I've found a place that I'm more or less comfortable with in terms of there's a lot of overlap you know between my work life and my personal life just because so much of what I share is our life and what we're cooking and eating and doing on the farm and um so uh, you know there's certain things that I'm really happy to talk about and certain things that I think people probably aren't interested in and don't want to hear and I don't really want to share either Mm. um so yeah I, I I guess that's it's I feel really lucky um But it's taken, you know, ten about twelve years, sort of of plugging away to kind of get to a point where I I feel like I can um, call myself a writer, you know, or whatever whatever I am, Um, (laughs) you know. And I've I've had jobs along the way, um, and I still freelance for various people, and I do a lot of bread and butter work. And but but fundamentally, I I really do get to do what I love and believe in, and um, and I think that's why I don't. A grudge sitting up late on a Sunday night doing my newsletter or waking up really early every Monday morning to write it or do the, you know, um the long hours because I really love them. You know, I really enjoy the work. I think if I, um it didn't feel that way, it would be a bit more of a graft, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important. I, I know there's a, quite a few nuggets of gold in there. I think one is that like it it's, you could probably be doing things that made you more money, but this brings you a lot of joy and happiness. And I've been thinking mm. about that a lot lately too is so so often people can get sucked into focusing on what's going to make them the most money but it's really important to think about what brings you joy and and then mm-hmm. as well and then also yes the importance of it, it can get stressful for people too though trying to figure out what their purpose is what their passion is what their why is and all that kind of stuff mm. stressful but there is a lot of joy when you actually manage to do that and to, to have the courage I guess to Step into that and follow that path because I mean, you like you could have easily stayed at your job in Sydney or you could have done other things, but you've mm. you know you've pursued this path and it really is paying off for you, which I think is nice as well and encouraging for people to see that. Yeah, and I think also um, one other thing that I, I only kind of realised
1: recently as well is you have to value, like put put a value on um, the flexibility that that freelance or working for yourself can bring. You know, like. Um, I can work school hours. I can, you know, my daughter's homesick today. I could spend that time with her or whatever it might be. Um, and, and yes, you probably take a financial hit not having paid holiday and paid everything, but, um, I think you have to add a value if if that means if flexibility means something to you, you've got to kind of value that as well when you're thinking about those big pictures. And oh, so often I've thought, oh, I better go and see if I can get a job, you know, the local DPI or whatever, and get, get some sort of comms job here or there, and they would all be great. Um, but I also now value the flexibility that I have as well, and I think I'm sort of trying to put that into my spreadsheet as well
0: somehow. Yeah, I think that's really important, and I think we undervalue that a bit actually like and to have that flexibility and that's kind of almost like a it's a self-care practice almost to value that and to put that as an important thing and not just do something because we think it's going to make us more money but to have the kind of the awareness and the ability to say well yeah but I actually do value having that flexibility and that freedom in my business and I love what I'm doing so I'm prepared to you know value that more highly I think that's really important as well. Mm. I mean, you've all
1: got to make a living as well. So, like, there's a balance there balance. as well. I can just, you know, like not work full time. I mean, and I do, but I think, um, you know, you take a hit in one area and then you kind of got to make it up somewhere else. And sometimes that is just having that um, ability to um, construct your days as, as that's in a way that suits you and your family the best way
0: absolutely yeah and it's it's almost like a privilege to be able to do that too it's something you can be very grateful for isn't it and to mm. step into that it's a lovely thing to be able. To do. Mm. so good for definitely. you,
1: definitely
0: mm. um so a couple more things I wanted to ask you about I will get into like whether you've got like a well-being practice because I'm very pro on kind of you know looking after our well-being and that sort of stuff and how important that is to you and if that helps you but just to go back a bit on your passion I'm interested in like you know, was, what what happened growing up that do you think, you know, obviously your mum's an artist as well, but why do you think or where do you think this real passion for this, you know, for cooking and being creative, and did it start at home or where does it come from? Because you, were, like, worked for the Slow Food Organisation as well over in Italy and stuff, didn't you?
1: Yes, I did. Um, yeah. So I guess, um, I mean, I, I really was lucky that I grew up in a, a home where, you know, food and shared tables and meals and everything were just um, very much a part of our life. So definitely grew up with an appreciation of um, just good, simple, tasty food, which is what I do now. And as you said, mum being an artist I think gave us all a sense of creativity that I'm one of four and I think none of us are artists as such but we all have our little creative outlets Um, and I think that's an an appreciation of it all which I think comes from mum and she's an art teacher as well so she kind of definitely instilled a lot of... um, of that in us as we grew up. Uh, and then, I mean, when I, I did journalism at uni, as I said, and I really did think I was going to be a news journalist or that I wanted to be, and I spent a bit of time in the newsroom of The Mail on Sunday in the UK, which is like crazy kind of the wow. the ultimate kind of tabloid journalism. And it was around the time that Lady Diana tragically died wow. and, and it was just, I was like, whoa, I want none of this. Like, you know, <laughs> but that kind of journalism was, it was a... Um, yeah, I learned very quickly that it wasn't for me. So I came home and I just applied for a job as an editorial assistant in a food magazine that was starting up, which is which became Australian Table. And I got that and that was really the beginning of it for me. And, and I was on a, the launch team with an incredible group of women who were, really mentored me. And, yeah, so I think it, it was sort of timing and, and luck, um, but I just – realized yeah wow telling stories about food and putting um words and pictures together which is what a magazine is Mm -hmm. um that really does it for me and and that kind of set me off I guess (laughs) on on the sort of food storytelling path
0: yeah did you say that you did you have a formal like training in in cooking or did your mum teach you or where did that come from no,
1: no, not, not at all. Um, so my training was in in the writing side of yeah. things, um, but I guess for about ten years I worked in food magazines. Most yeah. of them here, but three of those in Italy. Mm-hmm. And you know, I used to write. Sub edit all the recipes and um, test a lot of recipes, and I just learned as I went. And I mean, I've always loved cooking, and I've always loved food. And then when I moved to Orange, and we were doing the markets, and we did um, lunches every, not every, but most Sundays, and farm tours, and things like that. So I just kind of baptism by fire, really, and I loved it. I mean, I really do love cooking. Um, My grandmother, both my grandmothers, were amazing cooks. So I guess, um, yeah, just learning as I went really
0: which I think is also another nugget of gold for people because I know you know sometimes that can be a thing in a lot of different industries where people get held back because they think oh well I'm not an expert or I don't have the qualification or whatever and it can be very easy to let that stop you and that be a limiting belief as to why you don't kind of go on and do something but yeah you, you've mm. been able to go on and do all these amazing things and if you yeah again if you'd had that belief it would never have happened so I think that's very inspiring and awesome yeah <laughs> um so I'd love to get into a little bit more of the sort of day-to-day for you and the the, again I think things that are really valuable for people is sort of understanding maybe how you how you manage to manage it I know a lot of women struggle with this whole juggle of like well how do I juggle you know my passions what I want to do with my life my kids you know all of that stuff so do you feel how, how do you go with all that so Uh well <laughs> I certainly <laughs> I certainly don't have it down
1: pat that's for sure. Yeah. Um I I think like all of us like you just do your best and you know you drop balls I drop balls a lot all the time. Um but I guess um actually someone said to me something the other day which I, I really am thinking about it's just like you've got to prioritize stuff like so make a list of everything you want to achieve in that day and you know will the house burn down if i don't do this will the world fall apart if i don't do that and just kind of approach things in that way um i feel like if i can get three good things off my to-do list each day i'm doing well that's my that is the one thing i do try to like tick three things off um yeah. what else do i do i think you know i get up early that's something that works for me but i'm a, Boring early person to bed, so I do try and do like an hour of writing first thing in the morning uh-huh. um, before the kids and everybody wake up. Um, and I don't even turn on like I have my Wi-Fi, on my computer off. I don't look at emails, I don't do anything. I just that's my writing time. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think I just sort of try and and make the most of time at my desk, which is not enough. Um, and I'm getting better at just being more gentle with myself and not and realizing that you, you, it's okay if you don't write back to every single email that day. You know, it's it's the house will not burn down. The world's not going to end. You just do you can only do what you can do really and just prioritize the most important things. Prioritize the paying work. That's what I've got to get better at.
0: <laughs> yeah. That I I think that's it. Like and I like how you said that practicing that self-compassion piece as well and being in self-kindness. Like that's so important, isn't it? Because mm. Otherwise, you know, that's we can all beat ourselves up about the things that we're not doing. I also like that you said that you, if as long as you get three things done, we're doing well, we're happy. Mm. And I think <laughs> that you know, getting up that hour early and having that hour of writing time like that's pretty cool because that sounds like it's non negotiable. And then you know, you've always got that writing done if no matter what happens for the rest of the day, yeah, <laughs> if absolutely, like that's done. Like, that's pretty pretty valuable i would say and and um a pretty great practice to have which probably helps a lot i would imagine and going to bed early that's a big thing as well in terms of well-being practice because a lot of people mm. like oh, i'll just watch one more episode of netflix or i'll just you know they think, oh, i'm just a i'm a night owl but the reality is we all need a lot more sleep than what we think we do i think so mm. <laughs> it's a lot yeah to- going to bed early yeah definitely and mm. so do you have any other kind of well-being practices that you do apart from yeah, you know, like getting enough sleep and getting up early do you do, you, do you um, anything else to manage your
1: yeah I well I mean I, I'd love to say that I you know um exercise every single day but I mean I do walk I do try and walk um most days I go for a, a walk along our lane and I'll listen to a podcast or um um signed up for a a fun run with some girlfriends next month actually so I've been doing that couch to 5k app which is quite good actually it's trying to get me kind of shuffling along so (laughs) I I know when I've been for walk um my headspace is like three times better we all know that so um I do try two things I try and do every day is get up early and do my hour of writing and then once the kids are on the bus the bus comes and picks them up at about 10 to 8 I come home and then I do just go straight out the door and on my walk because um, if I don't do it then, it, things happen and the phone rings or whatever, Tim needs a hand on the farm or whatever it might be and then you just think, oh, I haven't got time, it won't happen. So I do try and do that but it's not, you know, doesn't happen perfectly every day but that that would be a good day if I can do my writing and have my walk and then, you know, a few hours before school pick up really at my desk.
0: Yeah. I mean and that's the thing it doesn't have to be overcomplicated either like just having some of those practices in place is enough really like because it's, mm. it's also a matter of just whatever you can fit in isn't it and whatever yeah you can make and work snatching
1: little pockets of mindfulness you know like I, I would love to I've never managed to sort of learn proper meditation and all that kind of stuff but I do like I love baking sourdough bread and and I do really try and as I'm kind of turning the dough or when I'm pulling it out of the oven to really like feel it and smell it and take a deep breath and you know and I, and I really find some cooking quite meditative you know so I think mm-hmm. you can find you don't have to like sit cross legged on the floor and 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 I mean I think that's great uh, don't get me wrong I think that is good but it but but you can to sort of take elements of that and incorporate that into even just your walk, you know, I think sometimes that can be, that can be a good, better than nothing, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think that comes through, you know, your, your cooking does seem very mindful and, you know, and you're very, you seem very present and even just like the art of photography is also, you have to be very present to take beautiful photos like you do and stuff like that. So that's obviously kind of where you've been at throughout your day anyway. And And Mm -hmm. you're so right. I think it was Brene Brown was talking about how swimming is is meditative for her. You know, she goes swimming Mm -hmm. in the woods, and it doesn't happen. Yeah, an actual scheduled meditation practice. It's that, you know, being mindful and being present and, you know, definitely I can see how cooking and photography would just be fantastic for that. So, I mean, not always, don't get me wrong, like I think, you know, (laughs) those
1: nights when you get home at seven and everyone's tired and hungry after sport and it's like, Shivers, what's for dinner? (laughs) I'm certainly not feeling very mindful in that time, but, you know. on toast, yeah. (laughs) In the quieter moments for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, what's next for Sophie Hanson? Apart from there's a well, there's a book coming out this April, and there's another book mm-hmm. coming out next April, which is super exciting. Are we going back to doing? Um, I know you did the open, uh, open my open podcast, kitchen podcast for a while. Is that going to be coming back? What's next?
1: Um, I don't think so. I think um, I. Uh, for a while they think I was just wearing too many hats and yeah. and sort of stretching myself a little bit too thinly. Um, and so, I think it's certainly the next year or two is going to be all about the books. And, um, you know, because I, I remember saying to my publisher when I handed in the manuscript for A Basket By The Door, I was like, I'm done. Yes, thank you. And she goes, no, no, you're only half done. The other half is like promoting this book. And I'm now I really uh, realize what she said. It's, you know, it, there's a lot of really fun events and workshops and cooking classes and travel. And, um, so that's all fantastic. And I am incorporating some little storytelling workshops along the way with that kind of program of events, which COVID allowing will be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's, that's it. I'm doing and, and just keeping on with the freelance work for the clients who I love working with. Um, yeah, I think that's that's for the next couple of years. That's what I'll try and just sort of stick to. Um Yeah,
0: with a bit not more Not overloading your plate, by the sounds of it, is another good, excellent well. Oh, yeah,
1: not. I, I think <laughs> just you know we've all kind of hear about these like amazing multi hyphenate careers where you cross everything, and I found that I try. It's quite stressful to sort of try and mm. to try and stay on top of a lot of different things. So for me, I'm just trying to kind of niche down on that sort of recipe writing writing about food profiles that kind of thing which I really love doing and um I think I'm getting better at so yeah so that's hopefully what I will be doing in the in the foreseeable future
0: oh that sounds sounds perfect Soph and so you know, if people want to, where can we find out about your workshop schedule and your book tour schedule and all that kind of stuff if people want to kind of get along to that stuff? And have you got that sort of set yet, your schedule for the um tour, it's, a kind of it's, growing, oh, it's kind of a movable feast, yeah. so it's growing. It's kind of changing. So every, I guess the best thing to do is, is subscribe
1: to my Monday newsletter, Five Things to Be Cheerful About, because that's where I put in, like I update the program every Monday with new links or how many spots are left for this workshop or whatever it might be. So that's probably the most kind of immediate way. But I, I'm also keeping that pretty updated on my blog um and and the links to all of those are via my facebook feed is probably the best way uh sorry instagram my instagram page um so but yeah probably the newsletter is where i kind of share the most recent and updated info if people want to come to an event or um inquire about workshops it's, it's all happening on the newsletter
0: yeah and it's well worth subscribing to the newsletter you now because it's it really is a lovely thing to you know get oh, up to you. on a Monday morning it's very cheap <laughs> but I've got lots of friends that love it so um, oh thank you
1: it's it. good fun to put together
0: I, yeah you can tell that yeah I can see that that you obviously really and I think I've heard you talk about it before actually saying how you just you really do enjoy it and again I think that's you know it's so important isn't it because that comes through in the in what we see as well and you can tell that you enjoy it and it, it makes it mm. even better so it's lovely yeah mm. Oh, hmm. well, well, good. That'll, that'll wrap us up for today. I think so. Thank you so much for joining me um and for fitting it into. I know your very busy schedule, so it was just. It's so lovely to chat. It's a real honour, and I'm yeah very grateful for you to you for your time. Oh. So,
1: well, thank you for the opportunity. It was um yeah it was lovely, and I'm a big fan of all the great things that you do as well, Katrina. And I think um it's just so exciting to sort of all these kick-ass rural women floating their own boat and doing all these cool things. So um yeah. I'm, big fan too.
0: Yeah, thanks, Soph. I really appreciate it. Thanks, heaps for joining me.
1: No worries. Thanks, Katrina. Bye.